Jarvis King, welcome to Brokers and Brews, my friend. Welcome, welcome. Before we get involved with intros, I got to know what you bring to the brew. <laughs> and I said welcome. Thank you. A little nervous, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking Blue Moon Ice Coffee Blonde. It's actually, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> this is completely not planned. Uh, Witch's Hat Thrash Punk, which is actually a coffee-infused beer. So... <laughs> The two of us bringing coffee beers. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, cheers. And Jarvis, we're going to talk real estate for sure because you're obviously a realtor, hence your beautiful hat there. But um, tell us a little bit. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Jarvis. Um, You know where you're at. You don't have to tell us your numbers and your production, but you know a little bit about you yourself, your business, and then I want to know a lot about you know your coaching you know, things like that, because sure. uh, that's all big stuff, and that's all been impacted, obviously, by our current state, so what's going absolutely, on? Absolutely, absolutely. So, for starters, I definitely want to uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here, uh, but then before we get into, uh, you know, entertaining and just spending some time together, I actually just want to obviously always start off everything right now with uh, my condolences to all family, uh, friends, acquaintances that uh you know, are having a tough time right now. Um, I don't care who you are. I definitely think uh, the times have affected everybody. So definitely prayers, prayers to those affected. Um, specifically, uh, you know, it's just tough times. Um, just, just I want to send my condolences for sure. For sure. Um, this is it's tricky to like we're we're kind of excited to get back to work, and I, I know we're going to talk about that. But you're like. Yeah, I'm back. And, and meanwhile, you know somebody who is really impacted by this stuff and they could really care less about anybody being at work and feel Absolutely. like obviously work is not a good thing. So uh, sure. I, I appreciate, you know, your, your words myself. Of course. But uh, no, a little bit about me. Uh, short time, but seems like it's been an eternity already. I've been in the business as a real estate agent for just under four years. Uh, we both started off at the same, well, we didn't start off. Our, this relationship came from being at the same brokerage for a while. Sure. Uh, Keller Williams Advantage. I don't know why. Um, my business is uh, Metro Detroit. Um, I guess my hubs are going to be Nova Northfield, Farmington Hills. Uh, quite a bit of Detroit work as well. Um, just kind of all over. Wherever my business takes me, I'm, I've been actually been on the east side quite a bit lately uh macomb area quite a uh, three three deals in a row in macomb uh, what took you out there uh so you do right by your clients and your clients typically reward you with um you know some 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 new business so um i one of my most recent one of my deals that closed at the beginning of march fortunate enough for me i had that that client who's definitely become a great friend um, great ally. He actually referred me some family of his that needed some assistance immediately, and we actually just closed closed on two of the deals that were given to me by that family um last last Friday. So congratulations. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. No, but uh, no, my business is all over. Um, can't necessarily say I do the bulk of my business in any specific area. Um, I think at you know, we all we try to be as intentional as possible as trying to develop our business the way we want it per se. But um, I think being in the business 
the short amount of time that I've been in, in it, uh, I, I go where my business takes me right now. Um, but, but no, I, I definitely very, very much so on the customer service side of things. Um, I love the volume. I'm, 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 I'm uh, fortunate that I've been able to do the level of business that I have been able to. Uh, but I honestly, in this last six, eight months, have kind of scaled back and pushed away a little business to be able to give the level of service that I think I, I, I need to be. Because I just want to be known for giving this certain level of service. And it, it, at one point, it felt like felt as if I was um, j just way too numbers driven and I want to take a step back. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a, that's a conscious decision that realtors make either as they enter the business, maybe at some point in the business, you know, because obviously um, to get paid, you have to have closings. And so you start to look at it from that side of things thinking, well, if I could have more closings, I could get paid more. But then you go back to, well, why did I get into the business? And if you got in to generate a lot of business and generate a lot of leads, generate a lot of closings, then that is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you also, if instead maybe you got in because you wanted to work with people, feel like you were helping, things like that, you can do that and do a big volume. Uh, I'm not going to say that you can't, but you and I think I both do it on a less volume based level with a more personal based level, um, you know, and eventually maybe you can grow to a point where we have someone else helping with some of the transactional stuff so that we can still give the same level of service and increase the volume. But that takes That's a lot of time, you know, it takes a it lot does. of time. So no big deal there, but I think it's a, it's a conscious decision that that's made. And I think for me, it's the one that, you know, I go to sleep good about, you know, knowing that that's the decision I've made as well. So I'm sure, you know, it's a similar feeling for yourself. For sure. No, I have to agree. Um, Kind of speaking to something that you just said, you were, you know, making mention of about, you know, being numbers driven versus making sure we give a certain level of service. Like I think me come, coming into the business, well, excuse me, uh, me coming into the business, um, the, 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 my goal or what I want my business to be, I think has changed a little bit. Again, going from, I want these, these ridiculous numbers to, now I want just this consistent, uh, strong level of business, but then my end game, you know, wanting to help the X amount of people and wanting to help uh, uh, a specific, um, uh, a specific, you know, area of the market that I think has has hasn't had the right reputation uh, representation. Um, you know, I think as we grow um, and as we become better human beings, I think we, you know, if we're in whatever, whatever business we, we, I think we kind of grow with our business and things change. So the reason I got into business versus what my goals are for the business has hundred percent changed over the you know short time I've been in the business. And so, you know, you said like, obviously you go where the market kind of takes you, but you also if you could, you focus in a certain area, but you go where your, your clients, your referrals are, things like that. And, you know, I guess I've already hinted at it. You know, we recently, last week, finally got the release to go to work later this week. And in some ways that's exciting. In other ways, it might be scary or, you know, lack of better term, scary and, um, and things like that. 
you know, how has your business been impacted with the fact that you haven't been able to go out and do business face to face? Because that's a that is one one tough part, right? Like you're a people person, you can't be in front of people. Uh, how's your business been impacted? How do you feel it's going to be impacted over this next month or so now that you can kind of get back out there? Uh, I think it would be super arrogant for anybody to come in, no matter what level of business that you had to say you were unaffected or say that, you know, business was great. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, I, 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 I was fortunate that I had the relationships already in the works and stuff that was in the pipeline that did allow me to not hurt as much as some other people during that time. Uh, but I think you can agree, like in this business, we, we, we go off of our momentum and you know, you, you can feel like, Oh my God, these next couple of months are going to be freaking awesome. Um, I had some pretty amazing momentum going, uh, right before everything was going on. Um, and then we just had, I had to take a step back and just like you said, had to adjust and adapt. Um, at the end of the day, we're in a business that the sooner you realize this business isn't about us, isn't about you, Joe Mug, isn't about me, Jarvis King, and it's more about um, the clients we're serving. I think if you're in the right, in the business for the right reasons, you're going to sleep better at night and your business will be fruitful from it. Uh, so as as we kind of got smacked in the face, just like everybody else with reality, um, I think I just had to make the pivot and say, you know, I've, I've broadcast this for the last few weeks all over my social media, this too shall pass. Just knowing that that's the case and knowing that, look, I'm going to be a resource for my clients as we get back out here uh, to answer the question. I, honestly, I, I think what's changed the most um, is just realizing the the business as we know it and life in general as we have we've known it for x amount of time um it's just going to be uh it's going to be a little different and it's going to take some adjustment so i think that's just the biggest thing just just realizing wow like as much as you might think you have stuff figured out you know um <laughs> it, it, it you know it we, we, we'll, we'll do we'll have to relearn how we do some things very soon for sure. So, you know, like you said, um, you get some some sort of steam rolling. It doesn't matter if last year you did one transaction or a hundred transactions. Somehow, something turns into a little bit more for you. And as this year started, it was exactly that way. And you know, personally, I had uh, at least four people. You know, before let's say March thirteenth, because. I feel like for me, at least, maybe that day sticks out because the night before is when they canceled schools. And so, um, you know, I just remember it was Friday the 13th. It sticks out because it was Friday the 13th. It sticks out because um, I had a bowling league, a fun, you know, fun bowling league, not competitive that some of us still went. And but it was like by Saturday morning, even though I had already been doing some research on coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, all this stuff, even though I'd already done some research, for some reason, I felt comfortable bowling. But yet by Saturday morning, it was like when we went to the bookstore, we just felt, Ugh. you know, it was kind of like it, it less than 12 hours later. And so for me, Friday 13 sticks out. And <clears throat> leading up to Friday 13, you know, I had three, four folks that on the both the buy and the sell side that were really excited to get into the market. And that kind of changed. And one of them uh, is definitely still buying. And one of them 
is definitely still selling and buying. But two of them are, I don't want to say on the sidelines, but, you know, they're not like, oh, thank God you're back on May 7th because on May 8th I want to go live or I want to get out there, you know. So, you know, and then, but then during the downtime, I I had a couple more people say, what do you think is going to happen? I want to go buy. So it's kind of like, I mean, that's how the business goes. But, you know, from my point being is that there was a little bit of a stall. And I imagine that there's some folks, you know, my photographer said he booked up in three hours. He couldn't believe it, you know. And yet at the same time, there's, we know there's folks sitting on the sidelines, you know, for, for the steam that you had going and the, and the wind that came a little bit out of your sale, um, how many people or, you know, what volume of people do you think are now wanting to just kind of wait a little bit longer than, than they think they were going to? No, so that's an awesome question. Uh, and to, to speak to that, so me personally, just speaking on my personal end of things, so we're in the, clearly we're, we're rounding off the first quarter as, you know, we're getting news that Michigan, our profession, we need to shut down. I, w- I was actually working with four different buyers at the time. Uh, and out of the four, two were what, you, what we call hot, um, you know, an A buyer, somebody who would, you know, buy in the next 30 to 60 days. Um, I had two of those and because of everything that was going on, I, I actually didn't, I didn't complete any buy side transactions in that time. Uh, so those four buyers that I had, every single one of them took a step back. Um, one to reevaluate the finances, one because of the line of work that they did. And you know, this with lending being what, what it is, um, them losing the time that they lost with work didn't qualify them for the the home that the price point that they were comfortable with and then clearly you you know this when people get that champagne taste they it's very hard to go back down to you know something that that you you already made up in your mind that that that's doesn't suit your needs so my four buyer transactions all four of them said look um right now we don't think this is the best time um i, I since we've, you know, I've had the communication with them that we're up and running, we can actually show homes again. Two of them are excited and want to get back out in the field. Um, but my my buyers have 100% taken a step back and say, you know, trying to reevaluate and, and wait to kind of see what's going on. They're a little, um, you know, a little uncertain on the times and not sure, you know, where, where we're at per se. Yeah. So during this time, because like you said, there's there's uncertainty with lending. Rules are changing. You know, in Michigan, we always say like, um, you know, you don't like the weather. Wait a minute. You know, something like that. Right. And I almost feel like right now in lending, it's the same way. Like, oh, you don't qualify. Just wait a minute. Or you used to qualify. Now you don't. Wait a minute. Whatever. <clears throat> Have you had or do you see that kind of happening where um, you're getting a call from somebody maybe over the weekend? And they're thinking about selling their house. They want to buy a new one. And yet you're saying to them, you know, don't go for that pre-approval just yet. Uh, we might want to wait another week or two or something like that. Because that's a conversation we never have, right? It's always like, go get that pre-approval. Get that pre-approval. And now it's almost like, um, should they do it? Shouldn't they do it? You know, because it's tough. For sure. And and you, you got the right idea with that. For me, uh, the conversation has more or less been, 
I, I personally, I, I do always, and I, you, I'm sure you share the sentiments, I always want to know or get the best feel for where the client stands. You know, me to 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 be able to best serve them so I can 100% say, look, this is where we are. Um, but now what I'm doing when I'm having that qualifying conversation with my, my buyers, uh, I think the part of the conversation, a part of the qualifying conversation, what's going on is I'm, I'm just steering the conversation to help them understand that, look, me being here for you as your professional, depending on you know your situation, depending on, because of the conversation we had, right now might not be the best time, but I'm gonna get you to my lender to see what my lender says. Uh, so, you know, and I'm sure you have a couple lender partners, referral partners that, you you know you you frequent the most uh, um so my thing is i still kind of i, I love where you're thinking um uh, what you're thinking and you know but for me just to uh maximize my time and best serve the clients i i still want to send them to the lender but then part of the conversation is look because things have been what they have been for the last three weeks you know how they've changed from six weeks ago how they've changed from eight weeks ago um, depending on the conversation with the lender, you know, we just, you know, we may just wait it out for, you know, 60 days or whatever the case is. Yep. And so I asked you that because I had that conversation with a lender. I said, what should I do? Um, you know, should I tell someone? And they kind of said exactly what you said was like, you know, we always start kind of slow, get a feel for things before we get real deep anyways, but let's find out you know, some information to find out if they're going to possibly qualify now sure. or not. And if not, why? And, you know, those types of things. And, and then she said the same thing. She goes, you know, it's no different than FHA used to be a 580 credit score minimum. If you were at a 576, we gave you some ideas on what you could do to bump up your credit. We could, you know, pull it again in 10 days. It's bump up. Now, you're qualified. She said, we're in the same boat. It's just the numbers are different. Might be a 660 on FHA, might be a 700 on some sort of conventional or maybe, you know, so, so I was like, all right, I'm glad I asked because I couldn't believe I was thinking to myself, we should hold off on a pre-approval. So, um, you know, but the, the premise made sense, but the idea, you know, like you said, conceptually, you still do the same thing you always do. Start right. talking to the professional, find out from them what, exactly. where we're at. You know, exactly. exactly. What's uh, what's what has been your experience with? I know you're, you're clearly you're alluding to it and saying for the most part, your lenders are saying, you know, let's you please send them my way, sit them down with me and I'll do the rest. Uh, but pr previous to uh, everything we're dealing with, you've always for the most part just said, look, I'm going to get you to my my lender professional and then let them judge what we are or depending on the price range and what you guys are looking looking at. Have you been? kind of steering them to say, look, let's just hold off. I mean, what's been your, yeah, sure. how have you had? So I have only had one like Facebook message conversation, if you will, um, where I told that person, I'm going to get you the lenders, you know, contact in about a week. And right. that was also based on the fact that that person was thinking of doing something at the end of the year, but okay. kind of changed through our text about, maybe bumping it up a little bit strictly because, you know, rates are so good, you know, that if they qualify now, it might make sense, you know, versus later. So, but outside of that, um, 
you know, the biggest thing that I've experienced was having a buyer already pre-approved who, because they took a pay cut, you know, to stay working, their pre-approval went down 50 grand. Um, you know, and, and then having, um, another buyer who really he's pre-approved, but we really need to wait a couple more weeks because his lender said they're going to need at least one pay stub back from furlough. And he only comes back from furlough in a couple weeks. So, you know, those things are like real things that everybody's going through. And in these folks case, they're still fortunate enough to be able to afford a home and purchase a home right now. But you know, there's those types of things that are happening, but those are why you have that conversation, you know, and I think it's even important now to have this conversation, even with your pre-approved buyers, like, Hey, a seller might want you to get pre-approved again, like, or, you know, re-ran or whatever they do on the lending side. Because before they let you in their house right now, or before they start talking offers, they might want to know you're even, you know, completely serious. Whereas in the past, you know, you have someone talk to the lender and I might have like a pre-approval or they're working on the pre-approval tonight, but I'm going to take right. them out tonight. That right. may or may not happen now, you know, with, with some thoughts and, and concerns about how many people come through your home. So, you know, I'm having that conversation too, uh, to just be prepared for anything really. <laughs> I mean, That's things right. are changing. And I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of the same combo, but what you kind of, you, you kind of uh, hinted at it. What's your thoughts on that? Like, what should be protocol? If it, or if it was you, they were saying, "Look, Joe Muck, you're the the judge and executioner in this instance. How would you handle access to sellers' homes?" Me personally, I feel as if like, hey, this is hundred percent a, a health and safety mandate going on right now. This is. I I personally think it's it has to be, and this is me, and clearly that's why I'm asking. I think that without, and for the most part, clearly people, if you're shopping, you have a pre-approval. Most of the time, people always have pre-approval. Most agents they won't even take a client out unless they have a pre-approval. But what what do you think should be the the tone? Should they have to have a pre-approval to to uh, get access, gain access to to uh, homeowners' home? I would certainly, especially if, uh, you know what I was going to say, if it's occupied, but it doesn't matter if it's occupied because we're looking at this in two ways. One is the person who's in the home, sell, you know, sell the seller. But the other is everybody else who's coming in. I mean, it's our job to keep as many people safe as possible. And as it stands today, the belief around safety has to do with, you know, breathing, coughing, sneezing, that type of stuff, but also touching. And so if we can sure. limit that, or if we need to limit that, then that's what we need to do. And so I would ask that seller, you know, are there any things that you would like to do, you know, to increase safety, to reduce possible showings, anything like that, you know, anything from a limited amount during in a, in a day, you know, if, uh, to that exact thing. Hey, do you want to see a pre-approval before somebody walks through the door? Right. Um, it's normally not a requirement when you're the listing agent to see that pre-approval. I just make the assumption Jarvis scheduled an appointment. He must have a qualified buyer. For sure. It's definitely required for you to send me an offer in case you right. decide that you'd like to take people out that are pre-approved, <laughs> right? That's right. your that's your decision. 
so that's a conversation that I'll that I'll be having, you know, moving forward here um, for a period of time, at least, you know, and then if there was ever a suggestion of something that I'm uncomfortable with, I would just say, you know, as your agent, I'm personally, I, I want to require, you know, this. And, and to be fair, I haven't completely filtered out or, you know, thought out that entire answer. I started doing some of it, some basics, you know, masks required, um, you know, no kids, you know, I just, I don't want, I don't want people's kids, you know, coming to the house. Sure. If, they, if they come, hopefully it's a, a two per, two person, you know, family, uh, uh, you know, with the kids. So one can go in the house while the kids are in the car and then the other one can go in the house while the kids are in the car, right. Um, right. you know, and, and that type of thing. So I've thought of a few things so far, um, but I definitely think at the end of the day, we have to do everything we possibly can do um, to safely sell real estate because right. real estate needs to be sold and we need to be safe, you know? Absolutely. But uh, before you continue on, and we continue on, I, I, you got me feeling like a lush. So I'm gonna need you to pick up your glass and have another drink, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I might. You can't see in mine. I mean, maybe I take bigger drinks than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe that's possible. <laughs> so, and I like to have a little bit left at the end for a cheers. I don't want to have to walk off camera and grab another. One, you know? <laughs> so, All right. I'll be yelling over here like I'm Will Ferrell, and uh, you know, like mom, you know, <laughs> for like sure. That. So. Uh, <laughs> Get me, get me in trouble with my wife. Hey, bring me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's, it's going to take some, some thought and some concern. And I guess I'll say some of it is going to be played by ear. I mean, if suddenly, you know, I have a, I have a listing out active right now. It had a virtual tour and stuff like that. I had some inquiries, but I didn't really have any offers come in on it. If suddenly Thursday, Friday, I get 10 showing requests, I'll personally have to space them out, you know, because right. our, our app isn't built to say like a plus amount. So if you schedule from 10, they have to add two hours to the next showing or something like that. Showing right. time is not set up that way. So I just have to do it manually. And, um, you know, to reach out and say, Hey, there's a showing at 10, you know, I got to come, we got to come through with some wipes and stuff like that. After, uh, about 10 30, right. you can't get until 11 30, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so it's just going to be a manual process and, um, see how it goes, you know, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I mean, these are kind of like maybe some of the negative things that, you know, not negative, but they have some negativity around them, you know, but you had a closing last Friday. And I've seen your Facebook, so I know that you have some other things going on. So, I mean, like, you know, for the folks that have been able to continue that closing, the folks that have been able to continue moving forward, things like that. I mean, how, how exciting for them during this time, how different has it been for them during this time or, or what have you? So I think, you know, one, you know, I'm going to try my best not to go off on a tangent with, with your question, but. I think the the one thing that we don't give each other enough credit for, um, in, in we don't the, our human race we don't give it uh, give us enough credit for. We adapt, you know. We we're we're very resourceful. So yes, people push back and people um, when there's initial change, you know, you you have the people that you know they're setting their ways and oh my god, this this is horrible. But the people that adapt and adapt quickly, 
those people are always going to be ahead of the curve. So right now was a time, in my personal opinion, that the the agents and the, the professionals in any field, whoever can really be on the forefront of the change and, and really be innovative and show um, the masses, look, this can work and, and just be, be, uh, be very much a forward thinker. Um, those people are just going to look like rock stars. So, you know, speaking, not segueing to kind of toot my own horn or anything, but I think right now showing my clients that in the climate that we're in, um, with all the uncertainty of, is my home going to sell? Is it right now? Is it a good time to sell? Is the pricing right? Can I, can we still get the premiums that I was seeing three, four weeks ago? Um, coaching them through those concerns, having that healthy dialogue um, really allows you to look like you're the professional. When in these instances with the two set, two closes I had on Friday, we went on, on, we went on the market on a Thursday. We were multiple offer on both of them on, on, uh, by, by through the weekend. Um, and then won't remotely try to say this was all me, but what was fortunate enough to find a cash buyer for both of those closing two weeks, two weeks from, you know, the original under contract date, you know, two Fridays ago had, you know, went on two Thursdays ago, went on the market two Fridays from then being able to close on both of those, um, you know, just really allowed me to shine. And, and I won't remotely say it was anything but being faithful um, in every sense of the word. You know, just knowing, look, as long as I put my best foot forward um, on behalf of you guys, I'll be able to sleep at night. And doing that was was what allowed me to, like I said, procure buyers in a short amount of time. And then if it wasn't these cash deals, like I said, very much so um, deals, the other offers were offers that they 100% would have taken if those cash offers weren't there. So just I think the biggest thing we had to do is show our sellers, show our buyers that, look, I'm going to Joe Muck, Jarvis King, Joe Schmo, Hillary Clinton, I shouldn't drop that, whoever this young lady or young man is, um, they will be able to, uh, you know, as long as they're positive, forward thinking um, and doing right by you, you know, we will negotiate the best terms um, for you and your situation. And I think uh, I want to hit on something about cash that I've learned um, during this process. Cause you know, I think you always, we're always learning and I think it, you could be in this business 60 years and you still, you know, should be learning something. If you're not learning from your clients, you should be learning in a classroom, you know, and, and whatever. But um, I think that uh, one of the things that, you know, you see, is the the what was I the people that are coming out right now are really serious and because they they need to buy or sell for a different maybe a different reason they're really serious right. and so I found the folks that I've worked with at least from like the uh, even the other agents are just like really it's been some really good transactions you know for sure. Um, they're not all good. And, and the first couple started, they were already in contract during the beginning of this. And those were not smooth transactions. But after that, everything moving forward has been. 
And so, you know, it's been kind of um, cool that way, you know, as far as like some positives from it and things like that. But one of the things that came up was cash. Now, we've been in a strong economy for a long time. And people have been building up their uh, 401ks and mutual funds and IRAs and all these other, you know, things for a long time. Um, me personally, since 2009, you know, I mean, it's been going up with a couple of exceptions, a couple months of exceptions here and there, right? And right. so we normally would see this person wants to buy this house cash. Um, they've got this Fidelity account. It's got plenty of cash in it. So we're good to go. That's your pre-approval, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, the market went down 35% in two weeks. And it was considered the biggest loss since like 1931 or something like that. Right. And cash suddenly, cash buyers suddenly said, well, I don't have cash anymore. And this was a difficult thing because they don't have the cash. Now, I've learned from uh, MI Realtors Association and some other people that um, technically speaking, that can't happen. Uh, if you've if you've basically said you have the cash, it's your job to have the cash. But what good does that do the seller if you don't have the cash? I guess it could do good in court or it could do good, you know, down the road, but it doesn't do good if we were supposed to close in two weeks. So, so I've definitely learned a little bit about that. And I've certainly learned to uh, maybe even have the addendum, if you will, um, that says, great, your cash, uh, you're willing to escrow it you know, now or something along those lines. And I know people don't like to do that. And I've made the argument myself. Well, why would my person who has cash to buy a home want to take money out of this market? And the answer would be because anything can happen because, you know, nobody expected that 35% dip. Now it came back, you know, not, not 35%, but it came back. And I guess we had the best April ever somehow. I don't know how that happened. But we did. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, but that that was two two parts. You know, one was the contractual side, and the other was like knowing moving forward that just because you have cash and fidelity or UBS or wherever, that um it better be real cash, like liquid today. You could write a check, and that it can't go down. You know, moving forward. So um, that was an interesting thing. For sure, no, absolutely. So Joe, obviously we 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 talked real estate, um, and clearly I think we both big enough real estate nerds that we will we'll talk it all day uh but but outside of um outside of real estate what uh i know you kind of made mention about the bowling league um are you all going, going to you know just i guess just asking have they um had any talks on re, you know reconvening when all this is over or how far along were you guys in the league yeah so it's interesting um we were supposed to have our last night in april and then like a get together party, whatever you want to call it. I always joked and said, can't we call it a banquet, you know, um, in May. And obviously that's all been postponed. No real discussion on the comeback. The biggest one has been um, my son's football league. You know, they've asked for us to sign up and they've guaranteed if the league was canceled, we'd get, you know, the refund. And, and it's not about the couple hundred dollars. It's about like, it's almost, it's almost the same boat I'm in. Like, do I advertise? Hey, I just sold a house because I know that people are going through some stuff. 
And sure. I'm over here like, you know, showboating about something good, but you know, maybe people aren't looking for that type of good. Same thing. It's like, you're asking me to sign up for football right now, you know? And, right. and so I'm going to sign them up, but you know, um, that's been the closest thing that, and I don't know if you heard or if you care, but UFC is going to do the WWE thing and be in Florida at an empty arena starting this weekend. I didn't know how soon that was, but I remember seeing something about that maybe two weeks ago that they were going to, uh, they were going to continue that. So, Um, you know, it's it's just like us. It's tricky, right? It's like a part of me says like, go you guys, because I'll tell you what, man, I can't wait to watch some UFC. You know, I mean, I already liked it before, but that's all that you got and you kind of liked it, then, man, I I mean, suddenly I'm going to be, you know, like I wear my UFC hat, my UFC shirt, you know what I mean? Like, And so, uh, and I'm sure that's one reason they're doing it. But, um, you know, if the fighters are safe and being tested and all this stuff and there's no fans, the only people that are there are judges and what have you, then um, maybe I want to say what's the harm. I think there is probably some harm, but – you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not that bad, and I'm really excited for it. And I certainly hope that the football league that's supposed to start in August is able to start. But it's got to be sports. I think every guy, every guy wants to be selfish and say, "Yes, give us some sports." I mean, just the um, I don't know if you were a big Michael Jordan fan or anything, but they have the uh, Last Dance uh, ESPN ten part special going on, and I know every guy is glued to the TV because uh, those the glory days of basketball but I, I think the first first weekend's airing if I remember correctly was like 5.5 million viewers or something like that it was just I mean it, it, it's clearly everybody's hoping that they can get some glimpse of uh sports for sure right right now yeah well we're all looking for something new I mean it's why Universal has dropped you know uh, a movie and they're going to drop another one in May I forget what which one it is in May you know, they did that Trolls movie, and there's another one this month now. Um, it's why Disney, you know, put a couple of their movies on their station. You know, it's like we're just looking for new entertainment, you know, like sure. anything. And these companies, they got it sitting there. They know it's not going to make the money it was supposed to make anyway, so give right. it to the people, you know. Let's speak to that. Do you, what's, what's your thoughts on the uh, – so I'm a big Shark Tank um, uh, buff, and I, I remember years ago it was a young lady who – her company and they were doing stupid numbers they didn't need to be on shark tank i'm i'm com- i'm very positive they were there to um just kind of get some free promo but i think it was yeah it was cuban that jumped up on jumped jump he also partnered up with the young lady uh do you watch shark tank at all i do i haven't watched as many of the newer seasons but i've probably watched every season through at least like season 10 or 12 so so you might know the story it was a young lady who she had um she traveled around the country doing um, uh, Halloween events. So she was, it was literally traveling around the country. They, they were out of LA and they would do for six weeks leading up to LA. I mean, leading up to Halloween, they would have how we have in Michigan. We have the haunted hayrides or yeah, what's I, the big one. This, in is, this is ringing a bell. Right. Um, but what she was doing is just have this all out production that literally cost some astronomical number. Um, and it was just, she would sell out every every night for that six weeks. And if I remember correctly, during that season, they'll make, if I remember correctly, again, I want to 
after this. I'm going to fact check. But I think they, they would bring in like two, three million dollars in that six weeks. It's some crazy number. Um, but Cuban was a big advocate saying that he thinks that entertainment is going to be more more active. It's going to be people wanting to get out of their homes. But mm-hmm. now we're in the situation we're in right now. Like <laughs> so, going to my question. What do you think the is going to happen with the movie industry? I felt I feel as if, especially with a lot of things that they're changing, as much as I say we're going to adapt, <laughs> um, a lot of things that they're changing about the movie experience, movie dining experience. I honestly don't think moviegoers will continue to frequent your local AMC. Blah blah blah. I think people are want going to want to keep that in their home. In my personal opinion, at this point. So. It's interesting because nowadays, 90% of my movie, 95% of my movie going is kid related. Even if it's Avengers Endgame, which I want to see, but I'm going because I'm bringing the kids. And, you know, so I'm pulling up the cash for the kids. But using Endgame or using Star Wars or something like that as my example, I love to see that in the theater. The sound the lighting, you know, um, all that stuff. And I have, you know, JBL speakers at home, so I have a decent sound, but it's not hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, you know? So there's that experience. And I used that argument for my friends that bought that Trolls movie because it was a $20 rental. And their justification was, well, how much does it cost you to go to the movies with a family of four? You know, I said, yeah, I get it. And it's easy because my kids weren't begging me to see it. But I said, (laughs) "Um, you know, $20 to watch the movie at home. I I like the Dolby digital ETS, whatever the heck surround sound, you know. So um, and here's the other thing, too. Like, you know, I try to not go like political or whatever. And I don't think I am here, but. You know, I'm really intrigued by the the volume of people that are wanting to move everything to like this new six foot distance. Like the six foot is a magical number. I feel like it's an important number, but what if you're on um, seven feet? You can't get sick. I bet you can. But um, but but where I'm going is like there's this movement. Like we gotta change restaurants, change the school systems, change this, change that. You know, change the casino. Like. The casino, and I love the casino. Okay, I've been to Vegas over 20 times and the short casino, you know, just as many. And sure. we're going to shut down every other slot machine so that you're six feet apart. The casino is filthy. Even when it's clean, it's filthy. Like, there's so much touching. That's what I mean by it's filthy, right? There's touching, touching, right. touching, touching, touching. Right. Is touching money, touching handles, touching buttons, all this stuff. Touching, touching, touching. Six feet apart, 10 feet apart, none of that's going to really matter to me in a casino. And I'm curious, though, is this strictly because of what we're going through right now, or do people believe, you know, that there's something else that that somehow the the distance, the social distance, the real distance is really going to be impactful? Because, you know, when we think about whether it's a theater or it's a sporting event or anything, if we're going to have that type of standard, it doesn't work, right? Like, I don't want to go see a comedy show with only 50 people in the room you know the comedy show is great because there's a hundred or a couple hundred thousand whatever it is people there go to your you know the the i think the instance that it's most impactful go to your any saturday 
fall college arena football, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's the experience, you know, just take, take the, the before out of the college football experience, take the tailgate out of it. It's a different experience. So it's just, yeah. I mean, like we started this whole, you know, how we started this, 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 our combo today. I just think it's some adapting that's going, going to have to happen. And some of the stuff, like you're saying, where this number came from, clearly it has to be some science behind it. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, right is it enough how sustainable is it um and then clearly how how long will we actually how long would this be the new normal as well you know yeah I, I think it's a great starting point because as we talk about opening the economy and stuff i you know obviously i, I strongly advocate you know this slow buildup, right so i think it's a great thing to say all right when you first start going back to whatever it is you have these new norms but I feel like I'm having or hearing conversations, seeing conversation with folks that want to make permanent changes, you know, to systems where there's this distance. And I just don't personally understand it, not because I feel like so optimistic that we're going to get over this really soon or we're going to have a vaccine right away or anything like that. But just this is a, a first of its kind disease virus that spread through, you know, like respiratory transmission right where you're coughing sneezing right. things like that the reason a reason that it's made such a big deal besides anything else is that from a science standpoint is that normally you don't pass colds and flus and all this stuff by you know breathing on somebody but right. you know the hug me and you hugging the issue isn't the touching as much as it is the expiration or exhalation of air you know so um so it's tricky and and if if this is the one of a kind thing then i don't know if we have to permanently make everything change but hey i'm a real estate agent not a scientist and not a you know whatever but um you know i guess to kind of continue that flow you as we talk about sports coach jarvis Yes, sir. I mean, your season was impacted, right? Yeah, and honestly, so this is something that, um, you know, I'm limited college college basketball player, uh, passion my whole life growing up. You know, I was a guy that uh, huge, you know, huge family in regards to um, uh, extended family. Uh, I don't know. I have... 20, 30 cousins, somewhere in between, I guess. But growing up, a lot of us were males and we're all around the same age. So big sports family. And and we spent all of our time, well, I spent all of my time um, in my grandmother's backyard putting the ball up, putting shots up. Uh, so basketball is something that was 100% like a, a, a release for me. Uh, and it was for sure my refuge. Uh, but then... As I got older, I don't have any little ones right right now. I got tons of nieces, nephews, younger cousins uh, that I'm a part of their life. But personally, I don't have any. So I was always trying to figure out, like, how do I give my love to the game and my knowledge and expertise to this next group of, uh, you know, up and coming athletes and, and impact these young men's lives? So for the last few years, I've actually been coaching uh, Northfield boys basketball. And it's, it's, it's been a freaking blast. Um, 
but yes, this year. Uh, so you get your kids for two years. Uh, so six, I'll be jumping back and forth from six, six and seven grade. Okay. Uh, so you get the same group of kids two years. So last year was six years, sixth grade. This year was they were seventh graders. Um, but the unfortunate last year, so, so I lost some of my guys. Um, the the governing party, the governing body that oversees the uh, league, they wanted a little bit more parity. We did super awesome last year. We were one of the best teams. I think we lost two games and both of them were to the other Northfield team. One was by a bucket and the other one was, uh, I think maybe three or four points. But either way, we were a great team, great group of kids, great group of kids this year, but we lost some of our key positions. Um, and, and with that, it kind of took a toll on our ability to you know, to, to, to run and, and just some, I didn't have as much as, as, as athletic as the team that I have last year to, to simply put it, but we had a rough first half of the season coming into the second half of the season. We're jailing. Um, we're putting wins back on the board and we ended up just going over 500. We ended up into the season just over 500, six and five. Um, and the, the weekend, everybody makes the playoffs in our last two weekends. We, um, defeated one weekend and then split the other, but going into it, we had momentum, just like I was kind of speaking about my real estate stuff. We had tons of momentum and you know, sports, sports is all about momentum. Um, so going into our playoff weekend was the weekend that we were told, you know, Hey, sorry, uh, there's this as people say, this invisible demon we're fighting, um, you know, in the best interest of everybody, obviously we're going to set everybody down. So my, my guys are super bummed. I think I was even more bummed than my kids. Um, but, um, but I, I, I'm, I felt bad for him. I mean, I have a neighbor of mine. He has a collegiate a, a high school senior daughter that plays softball to stand out. Got a, a scholarship to whatever college she's going to and she her her season got ended um abruptly and it's just i feel bad for all the athletes because i think at, uh, at, uh sports in general is one of the things that te- teaches some pretty cool life lessons and and the kid that's unsure of themselves growing up this kind of gives them some some camaraderie gives them some balance um and and even if they're not the standout and anything else, this gives them a group of a band of brothers, or obviously for the young lady, band of sisters that they know have their back. And I hate that we were gelling at the time that we were gelling, and kind of get that taken from us. But again, this is small things in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but it was something I was pretty bummed about as well, for sure. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I think, um, and I certainly don't want to ever sweep it under the rug, but I think we've both been trying to, um, yeah, I know, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> We, we've both been trying to um, point out, like, everything else is bigger than this. Like, the health stuff is bigger than whatever we're talking about, whether it's real estate, kids basketball, college basketball, professional basketball. It doesn't really matter when we're talking about people's health. But it's also okay to be upset that those things are over, to yeah, be well. upset that you didn't have your normal prom, to be upset. You know what I'm saying? All these things are okay, too. These are feelings that are real. Um, 
have you had a chance to do any kind of Zoom video or something like that with the kids? Because they well, might appreciate it. Good, good call. That's an awesome idea. Um, and whenever this if we decide to let this air, I'll definitely make sure I make the call before this air. So <laughs> All right, I'm going live. We're going live. <laughs> <laughs> right, for sure. Uh, I think that'll be pretty pretty cool. I actually do. I've done something else um, just to show I'm thinking about them. Uh, but no, that that is a nice touch. And I think, uh, yeah, I will try to orchestrate that. I think that'll be pretty cool. So, yeah, good call. We um, I, So I do a thing with um, with a group called uh fate and it's out of detroit and they're partnered up with the jalen rose academy and oh, nice. they do a cohort project for all the ninth 10th 11th 12th graders it's different for every grade okay and so we've only done one zoom um or i've only been on one you know i don't know if they did another one last week i i just saw this week that we're going to do uh every wednesday now but i don't think that was the case if so i, okay. I missed it so i apologize <laughs> but um and so it's kind of fun and cool, you know, to see everybody, number one, kind of at their home, right? Because, like, sure. uh, it's funny to see different people's comfort level. Like, one girl's, like, eating cereal, you know, and then other <laughs> one's, like, very, like, you know, tuned in, you know what I mean? So, um, but just a chance for us, you know, we're considered mentors, whatever. So you have professional mentors and you have mentors out of U of M that they volunteer. They're not getting school credits for this or anything like that. It's involved with their school, but it, they're is not a school thing, so to speak. And um, just a chance to kind of see each other talk and, you know, share some stuff. And I'll tell you, man, it was, um, it was tough. I mean, one kid obviously shared that his uncle passed away because of COVID-19. Um, you know, it's really, it's like, what do you say? I mean, what do you say anytime somebody passes away? But sure. it's like, what do you say to this young man? You know, and, um, but it was also cool, you know, to do it. And I'm looking forward to doing another one Wednesday. So definitely arrange that in your near future. Sure. Um, I think it'll be good for you. It'll be good for some other, you know, some of the kids, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to do. So uh, coaching, coaching, it's interesting. You know, you, you said that you changed your business up because you want to be more people than numbers. For sure. And you're coaching, you know, um, and I think it just goes to kind of show that you're people oriented, right? Like you care about the people, you know, um, sure. it's just, it's fun. I, I only coached younger, like when my kids were really young, uh, flag football and stuff like that, and a little okay. bit of basketball. And I once thought about doing refereeing partially because I can be an intense person. and. For sure. It's easy to not be intense with the kindergarten or first grader, second grader, but even on the sidelines of my son's football team as uh, on the fifth, sixth grade level, you know, I did the recording and I was glad that it was uh, muted uh, when we sent the recordings out. <laughs> there were probably a few times that it said, you got to be effing kidding me or something like that. Right. And this is fifth, sixth grade. So I kind of, you know, I get the over, you know, the overzealous or whatever, you know, parents sometimes. And um, sports, like you said, man, they're, they're important, right? Like yeah. they can teach you a lot, whatever you're doing, you know, sports, there's other extracurricular, anything that you're doing outside of your normal stuff teaches you something. It gets your sure. brain working a different way. It gets you to think a different way. And if you're a part of a team or part of something that ultimately is a team, um, 
you know, it teaches you a lot about what you're going to need to do later in life, right? Absolutely. Agree. You, Agree. you and I are solo agents. We work at different brokerages. We once worked at the same brokerage. And yet we have to co-op, that's the word, cooperate, you know, with other agents. So we have to be on a team, even when we're not on in the same brokerage, you know. Absolutely. So we got to learn those things. And sports teaches us a lot, um, you know, about life later. Sometimes you don't know it when you're doing it. You know, I played sports my whole life and I didn't always understand what I was really learning. But I reflect back on a lot of stuff Absolutely. You know, from those times. Absolutely. Before we pivot and go somewhere else, let me ask you about that. So I, I learned this year um, and great assistant coaches that were on the, on the sideline with me. Uh, great men. Um, literally, I couldn't say a bad thing about either one of them individually. Um, but I think I so last year when I was coaching as well, I had a different personality with the coach that that I had this year. But I guess what I'm getting at or what I might want to ask you, um, all of the coaches that I've had as my assistants, they've been the they their their son has been on the team. So the my assistant coach has always been one of my kids' dads. Um speak to that. Do you like coaching your kid? Do you like because I know you said you were coaching your or I'm sorry, I guess I maybe you didn't. When you were coaching the uh foot flag football, was yeah. it your kids' team? Yeah, I only um only one time coached a uh team I take that back. Yeah, every time my son has been on that team. So here's the thing, and I don't want to, you know, upset any flag football parents, but <laughs> it is flag football, and it's a younger age. So you know, at a certain age, they're they're supposed to not really even keep score. Of course, people keep score. You know that type of thing, but um, it's a just a it's a different type of competitiveness, right? And you're teaching them more fundamentals and skills than you are teaching them, you know, about manhood or something. They're, they're, they're five years old. And so we got involved because, number one, my neighborhood had 13 boys in the same age group or something like that. Um, and so if we, you know, played flag football, we were pretty much all going to be, you know, on one team. So we thought it'd be cool to be able to coach with the other, you know, kids and people that we know anyways. But then number two was the first season. And fortunately I wasn't a part of that. And my son wasn't a part of that. Um, the first season kindergarten, this is a season where you were allowed to play if you were four or five. So you didn't have to be in kindergarten yet. Okay. And there was, um, a coach who, you know, handed it to the same kid, you know, every time and they were winning their games, basically again, parents keeping score 38, nothing or 38, seven or 42 to seven, you know, it's kind of like, why, you know, uh, one of the things that I thought was important with flag football was when a kid came to me from tackle football and was a center and has never thrown or caught a ball in his life to throw that kid the ball, you know, and if he didn't catch it, he didn't catch it. You know, now we didn't throw him the ball for the game winning touchdown. We did it early in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like we still were trying to win the game or make some good plays or, you know, use the talent, but everybody kind of got a turn 
in a competitive way yet. You know what I mean? So yeah, like my son's not the fastest kid on the, on the field. So we didn't make him the running back, but he got a chance to get the ball in his hand, you know, somehow. And, um, and that was what was important because again, this wasn't tackle and this wasn't supposed to be for something. There's no playoffs in the league we were in. There's no, whatever is just say hey, you finish the season, you know? And so, um, so I always coached with my kids. We kind of started coaching for that reason, but, you know, uh, kept with it, you know, each year because it was fun to do, you know, we felt like we were teaching them something and, and doing something fun and, you know, that type of thing. And the only reason I asked is, uh, again, like I said, I can't say anything bad about the, uh, all the assistant coaches I've had, uh, but I just feel as if, especially I think the difference, the caveat would be the age group. So coaching that younger group, um, you know, I think it's a different coaching experience than coaching this 11, 12, 13 year old group of kids where sometimes it's a, it's a, uh, a, a difference in, I guess, talent in essence. Um, so at that point, you do have some standout kids that are significantly better than this other guy on, on the team. Uh, but now that's neither here nor there. My my big thing with why I say um, I'll have a hard time having another coaching dad. I just feel as if it's just such a, and this is just again my 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 opinion. But I, I think it's just such a conflict of interest. With yes, cool. I'm the I'm the uh, head coach. Yes, I, I'm going to crack the whip and make sure I'm no ego trip in instance, but this is how we run in practice. But then when uh, uh, another coach's parent, the parent coach, if whether or not they are, I don't know, holding their kid to the same standard or um, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel as if, uh, maybe some, for lack of better words, some, some self-awareness may not be there. May, may be jaded in the in the sense of um, where their 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 kid is, and that that's just my experience. So I would I would have a hard time. Um, and this is a rabbit hole. I definitely should know went down, but I, I would have um, a hard time saying I would I, I would prefer not to have a another dad parent uh, yeah. parent coach rather. Uh, coaching your kid at a competitive level is difficult because, first of all, one of two things happens. I either somebody or somebody thinks or knows, depending on this person, um, that that the kid gets a certain something because dad's the coach. But also sometimes, you know, dad because I, I could tell you, like with my youngest son. You know, when I coached him, um, I only did that one because they needed coaches. They didn't have enough coaches, so I signed up. But when I coached him, it's frustrating because his personality at home, you know, you come from home, maybe he already did something that made you a little bit mad. He did something at dinner, you know, he did something to his brother. And uh, then in practice, he did something, and sure. you're still mad about it, right? So you take sure. that. Tough. So there's that. And – I can't even imagine when you start dealing with middle school and high school age kids sure. and the, the 
thing they did is a little bit no, bigger definitely. than flicking their brother's ear or something like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Sure, um, I never looked at it that way, for sure. And at the same time, though, I do feel like the odds are um, higher for a coach to have gotten involved at some point because their kid was involved. What I love seeing, and this is the case with a, there's a guy in South Lyon, and I can't think of his name right now. He still works with the younger kids, like kind of that middle elementary age, like third to sixth grade, somewhere in there. Um, his son graduated college. His daughter's in college, right? So he started doing this 20, 30 years ago um, because his kids were in it. He stuck with it because he loved it. And that's what I think, you know, that's what I'd love to see out of more uh, dad coaches, right? You get in because – they need a coach and your kid's playing and you figure you might as well coach. But when your kid leaves off to seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever, and you coach the six, seventh team, you're still coaching the six, seventh team, you know, for sure. Um, for sure. that's, that's to me, you know, a great scenario. So absolutely agree. So agree. life lessons, you know, we're teaching them in sports Real estate, you know, we're seeing these lessons prevail, things like that. Um, I kind of want to wrap us up here. And before I do, I always want to just, you know, is there anything that you needed else to get off the chest? Was there something funny, you know, maybe that's happened? Uh, anything embarrassing stories you want to share? You know, anything good like that? Uh, man. Um, trying to. Do I, do I have anything that would entertain you guys? Uh, oh man, I think uh, I, I'm I'm safe because I haven't had to be go out in public. Uh, I'm trying to think. I know something happened, so you know me, man. My my babies are my little girls, man. I got two little fur babies, uh, uh, Maya and Lola, and they're always doing something. I'm trying to think if. I don't know. No, it's, I got nothing. I got nothing. All right, that's fair. I mean, we've gone an hour or so, so we've gone over a lot. So that's fine. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to hit, you know, the end and and all that stuff. And then when I post something up, you know, have that person I was talking to like comment like, "Hey, we didn't talk about this" or something like that. So right. No, for sure. Make sure we covered it all. For and sure. and I missed out. Obviously, you know, uh, I don't even know your Instagram or, you know, your social, but you can find me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, sell with Jarvis King. So S E L L W I T H, uh, Jarvis J A R B as in Victor I S King. Um, Facebook, same way. Uh, you find my business page if you do what to sell with, or obviously just my name. Um, that was pretty much the only platforms I play around in. and then LinkedIn, um, clearly you can find me there as well. Uh, but no, I, I, I appreciate you asking me to be on. Um, I saw you had some pretty, some, some, some heavy hitters, um, on your first few episodes, man. So I was uh, a little nervous to get on here, but thanks for asking a little of me to join. No, it's good. You know, it's funny cause, um, I tried hitting up a few local people first and for one reason or another it didn't happen. And then I had non-local you know like i had california and boston and you know like stuff like that and it's just kind of funny how that worked out because um that was good though you know to get that perspective so uh but obviously i want to keep it local as you know but i want to get 
Hey, I want to get the whole perspective, man. Absolutely. You you might you won't. It's no way you'll know this. But um, how'd you ask Ken Pozak to to join you? Uh, Ken, he he was on one of your episodes. How do you know Ken? Don't so yeah, I don't. I I used to have a moving company, and okay. I met Ken through my business partner in the moving company. Okay. We were getting ready to kind of get a little partnership going when he was actually transitioning to Orlando. So then I did okay. a move call for him. And then okay. he and I, well, actually, he was not in the Tom Ferry uh, coaching system, but he used to be in the Tom Ferry coaching system. And he came out to their, uh, it's called the Summit. It's this big convention, 6,500 realtors are out there, um, yeah. came out last year. And I only knew he was there. Because Tom freaking Ferry is up on stage telling a story and says, Ken Polzak did this. Ken, where are you? Ken, where are you at? You know, <laughs> and Ken was getting a Starbucks. So I'm texting him going, dude, Tom Ferry is calling you out right now. And uh, so we, we chopped it up a little bit after, you know, they have a lot of socials and stuff like that. And then I just kept in touch, you know, social media, you know. Um, and uh, so... Real simple, man. I sent them a message. Said, "Hey, I'm doing a series, Brokers and Brews. Um, the thing is, you got to bring something to drink. If you don't want to bring alcohol, that's fine. But you got to bring something. And um, the concept should be, you know, bring some brews. But whatever. And uh, let's talk some real estate. I'd love to learn more about Orlando and what have you." He said, "Yeah, great. Love to do it. Boom, schedule." That's awesome. Uh, why I ask is, is well, two things. Shout out to Ken for being the rock star that he is. Um, having Mike Ferry, you know, call you out while you're on stage at a big conference. Um, but Ken Pozak is my sponsor. Ken Pozak is the person who got me into the business. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I got a, I've done everything under the sun, but I was service industry on top of being, before I was in, as a real estate agent, I was in property management. I worked for a big box brand, uh, Village Green. I was doing sales for them. And at the same time that I was doing sales with Village Green, um, I was actually bartending. And he used to come to P.F. Chang's all the time. He was just a, a regular. Yeah. Um, he used to start, he knew me because, you know, Ken, Ken he, he's very intentional, you know, which yep. is awesome. But, you know, he, he would, uh, he, he spoke to everybody. He made sure everybody, um, you know, he shot the, shot the crap with everybody. And, you know, I developed a decent relationship with him. And after a while, you know, we obviously started talking about what he did. And, you know, drivers, I think you would be great at real estate. You should come, uh, you should come try, check it out. And I don't know, probably took me a year before I said, okay, let me see what your brand is all about. And sure enough, uh, I mean, long story short, I ended up at uh, Keller Williams. Ken's a good dude. Um, I, I think I, you know, maybe man crush or something like that, you know, I, but I put it all in, you know, the, the, the post, I was like, if you, whether you're his friend, you're a coworker, he's your boss, he's, you know, co-op, whatever, just a good guy to be around because um, he's positive, he knows stuff, he learns stuff and works hard, you know, everything that he does, he does, you know, legit professional. And, um, I was super stoked for him to say yes, you know, because I knew that he would provide great value. And I think that he did. And, you know, we only went maybe 40, 45 minutes, but, you know, I learned about 
the the market down there in Orlando celebrity area. We talked a little Disney. We talked about how to get some of those cool things, you know, that he's got them shields, Captain America shields and stuff like that. So, you know, we talked a little of it all, all in a short period of time, but um, just a good dude. And I'm glad that, um, that I had met him, you know, when I did, and I'm glad that, you know, he is kind enough to keep up with his social, you know, platforms because whenever I've dropped him a message, he's always replying. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to, obviously, I got to brush up on see some of your previous episodes, but that one stood out to me. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. Good job grabbing Kim. So I got to check that one out. But no, again, thanks for having me. Uh, best of luck to you with everything. Obviously, wishing you well, health and prosperity with your family and all. Um, but then obviously on, on the business level, clearly hope you're able to hit the ground running and get right back at it, right where you left off. Thank you, sir. Same to you. We would do a cheers, but I think we're both empty. So an empty, uh, you know, cheers. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right, brother. Thanks for having me.